0: Listener supported WNYC Studios. So many white guys.
1: So many. So many white guys.
0: Welcome to. So I don't know
1: what that was. Red Hot Chili Peppers in the
0: house. That's Red Hot Chili Peppers. Everyone knows that's what Anthony Kiedis sounds like.
1: Once my mom walked by <laughs> um, the guy's car while we were making out to. Wait, red, what? Hot chili what? I've never seen her look so pissed at me.
0: I mean, was she pissed that you are making out or that you are making out to uh, flee in the gang?
1: Probably that it was making out to flee in the gang, like, the <laughs> middle of the day in front of our
0: house. <laughs> you're, like, making out to under the bridge, like, so inappropriate <laughs> and, like, sad. I was like, this is hot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, folks, welcome to so many white guys from WNYC Studios. I'm your host, Phoebe Lynn Robinson. And with me because... It wouldn't be the same without her, y'all. She is my white robin quivers, my delightful little slice of avocado toast, oh. my warm cup of rose hibiscus tea, oh my, my sauté pan of peppers and onions.
1: Sure.
0: Guys, I'm talking about Joanna Salataro.
1: Hello. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? What an introduction. (laughs) Onions and peppers all day. Sizzle, sizzle. You
0: know what? I kind of like that.
1: Yeah. How are you doing, Pheebs? You've been writing up a storm. You
0: know, I'm in the middle of working on my second book, and it's lots of days where I'm not showering.
1: Do you do like a dry shampoo or do you do like a bird bath? What's your approach on those no shower days?
0: Just a full no shower.
1: Unapologetic. Yeah, just... Just Embrace it.
0: You know those like stink lines and like, you know, Looney Tunes? (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) That's what happens. That's really the tea. I've just been working on my book and not really showering. Um, What have you been up to? What
1: have I been? My mom visited. My mom was in town. Claudia. She was staying in Brooklyn.
0: Oh, my God. What was that like for her?
1: Well... I think it was a little, like, she was like, there was there's nothing around my hotel. There's nothing around my hotel. I walked and walked, and I couldn't find anything. And, you know, I, I sent her, like, an address to a cafe. Yeah. I was like, it's right by your hotel. You should have been able to find it. And then I was with her, and we looked it up on Google Maps, and it was a four-minute walk away. <laughs> she was like, and they gave me a map at the front desk, and I couldn't find it.
0: Oh, Claudia. But then
1: she sent me a text later that was, like walking around in the neighborhood, picked up a beanie, so now I'm Brooklyn style.
0: Brooklyn. That is so delightful. She's so
1: cute. Yeah, it was fun. Nice. It was like a little birthday thing for my mom
0: and I. Aww. I sent you flowers. You got some B-Day dick. Tell us what else happened. Whoa. Joanna, we all know that you both. Shut
1: up. It is funny, though, because like when I produce you, I'm like... Phoebe, talk more about having anal sex. And then if you like <laughs> allude to me having sex,
0: I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, Change no, the no, subject. no. Um Okay, you know what? I'm gonna do a call to action. It was just Joanna's birthday. So let's all make some fan art for Joanna. You oh know what God. she this looks is like. Too much. No, come on. You are a Minnesota dream queen. All right. She's got cute brown hair, cute little mouth. Great little bod. Okay, this is starting to become sexually inappropriate, but I'm just saying plunging breath. (laughs) A sweet, sweet ass. So get to drawing, get to painting, get to coloring, get to, you know, stick figuring and make some beautiful, beautiful art of Miss Joni Mitchell. It's not enough, honey. Oh my god. And you know what? It's time for a commercial break because I ain't paying for this. Okay, bye. Love it. Hey, booze and bays. Enjoy that commercial break? I'm sure you did. But not as much as you're going to enjoy and love this interview with my next guest, trans activist and former adult film star, Buck Angel.
1: I cannot wait for this interview. It's so good.
0: You know... Mr. Angel, that's not how you say his name, but that's how I'm going to say it from now on. Mr. Angel is probably best known for his work in the adult film world. But did you guys know that he developed a sex toy line marketed for trans men? You know, I we, we talk about this in the interview. I am not the queen of sex toys. I'm actually, like, scared of them. But I think it's...
1: <laughs> Digital. That's what you say, right? Digital,
0: yeah, I'm, baby? Yeah, I'm, I'm AM radio, y'all. AM radio. <laughs> But it's not just that. He's not just a former adult film star. He doesn't just have a sex toy lie. I think his most important work to date is that he is just works tirelessly as a motivational speaker, raising trans visibility and spreading his message of body positivity and sex positivity. The point is, get ready. This is a phenomenal episode. He really touched my heart and I Truly am so grateful that I got to talk to him. Thank you so much, Buck. Hi, Buck.
2: Hi, Phoebe. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm awesome. Thank you.
0: I'm so excited that you're doing the show because I first learned about you when I watched um, the trans list last year on HBO. Oh, right on. You know, I love your Instagram. You have this hashtag. You love hashtags. I love hashtags. (laughs) (laughs) But There's one that I think is like super cute. You have one uh, as hashtag Trampa. Can you explain to people what that means?
2: So Trampa um, came from basically from uh, being the older from the older generation in the trans world. And Mm -hmm. in a way, I'm kind of like a dad. Well, I am a daddy for for real. I'm a daddy. But it kind of, you know, transcended over into the trans community where I'm an older voice Mm -hmm. and a voice of in a a sense, not necessarily a reason, but a way to ground a lot of the youth.
0: Yeah. So how many how many kids do you have?
2: I don't really have kids. I mean daddy, oh, in, a daddy okay. <laughs> in a daddy way. In a daddy way. Yeah. Actually, you know, there are trans guys who have kids. I'm yeah. not one of those guys. But, uh, yeah, that's not my thing. I think I'm more of a daddy in my energy. Yes. I take care of people, and I'm much more kind of, you know, the comforting kind of guy that way.
0: Yeah, so you don't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids either. Just,
2: I'm selfish. I think that's really yeah. the, the bottom line is I don't I won't have time to spend with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I work in this sex field and people are going to be all weird about it. It's just going to be a big, huge ordeal. And yeah, in that way, I, I don't want to take on the responsibility.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what? That actually makes you the best possible person because you're you're thinking ahead and realizing that's what outside of my capacity. So cheers to right you, on. Buck. And so you've done a lot. Like you've been a porn star, you're a motivational speaker, a film producer. But I want to start things with your sex toy line. I'm all about body positivity and self-love like you are. But in my apartment, I have a a drawer full of unused sex toys just because (laughs) I've... I just have never felt comfortable. Uh-huh. So people will, like, gift me stuff and, you know, because right. I do talk openly about, like, yeah, go for it. And, like, if you want to have anal sex, do it, boo. But, like, I just have, like, all these unused toys in my apartment because I'm like, I don't I don't know what to do with this machinery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I I, I like that you are all about it and you started your own sex toy mm. called uh, The Buck Off, which I think mm. is amazing. And it... Is specifically marketed for trans men so you have like a whole line there's like a lube there's a packer so what drew you to get into the sex toy business
2: yeah, so first, I want to just comment on your sex toys next to your bed. <laughs> because actually, <laughs> I'm assuming, yeah. did you say it was next to your bed, or I'm just making an assumption? It's, but that's yes. <laughs> it. Sex toys are difficult for people because mm-hmm. we don't talk about them, number one. We mm-hmm. don't even talk about masturbation. We don't talk about body positivity sexually, especially for women. So I understand that a lot of times people get intimidated by sex toys because they don't really understand what they're really about. And to me, sex toys are really a very personal thing first off. Mm -hmm. And there's something that really teach you how to enjoy your body because a lot of people don't know how to enjoy their body. Let's just be real. Most people don't really know, especially women. I'm going to keep going back to that Mm -hmm. because I was a woman before.
0: Yeah. I do think you're bringing up a valid point that like, you know, America is very puritanical in a lot of ways. Even though we do have a lot of like hypersexuality, there is Uh, There's there's tends to be a separation. It's like you can watch super sexual things, but maybe don't be sexual in your own life. And so what inspired you to get into the sex toys industry? And also, like, what do you want people to get out of it that you think they're not getting out of it?
2: I got into making sex toys because I started in pornography and through that I created my, my brand and I created, you know, a genre and I mm-hmm. created awareness around trans men like myself. And I'm a trans man who still has a vagina. And I kept my vagina for a reason because the surgery wasn't up to par for me. So that said, I had to learn to love my vagina, which wasn't an easy thing to do as a man. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was like every time you're told you can't be a man because you have a vagina. And I had to prove to the world that your genitals do not make you your gender. And mm-hmm. it's been a very difficult journey. Journey, but but it has worked on some level. So, so I realized that to connect to my vagina, I had to masturbate. And I wasn't into masturbating because it was my, a vagina. And I was like, gross. <laughs> I want to have a penis. <laughs> yeah. This is not okay. I was really disconnected from my vagina for many, mm-hmm. many years until I started to masturbate. And then I realized that's how I connected to my body. And it was an incredible experience for me. And it has been. And it's an awakening experience on so many levels and I, that I don't think pertains specifically to transgender people. <laughs> (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I created this toy called The Buck Off because there's a lot of transgender men like myself who do not – connect to their vaginas and feel very worthless. They feel like they're never going to be men. They feel like they're Mm. never going to be able to walk the world. And even though I've proven that wrong, so I created this toy called the Buck Off, which basically is a masturbator that connects onto your um, vagina and sort of like sucks your clitoris inside. And then you can masturbate with the same stroking that a cisgender man masturbates like. And I gave it a little bit of a penis head on it. So it's like you're actually, you know, jacking off. And so I created something that also created an awareness around our bodies, and awareness around even just the vagina. This idea that a vagina is such a bad thing is so uh, annoying and so wrong. And we have to reteach, especially men, we have to reteach, even women. Some Mm -hmm. women are very weird about their vaginas.
0: Yeah, and I, I do agree because like, you know, ever since I was I, I hit puberty, I got my first period, I would always, like, hide, like, my, you yes. know, like, sanitary napkin and, like, shove it up my sleeve or, like, bring yeah. my whole... Like, I, no one can see. No one can see that yeah. I'm bleeding. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I do this every month and, like, we need to just, like, stop <laughs> pretending like this is some weird witchery yes. and it's, like, a part of the human yes. body. But I think women are taught to spend so much of their lives hiding mm-hmm. the... Hiding things about them that aren't for the benefit of male sexuality, I think is a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yes. It's sad. It's just wrong. You know, now that I'm a man, I Mm -hmm. get to go into the man's gym and -hmm. I get to use the locker room. And I'm very into being in the locker room and actually being naked in the locker room. Every day I go into the locker room and every day I walk around naked like every other man. The other day I heard this guy, because men talk totally. It's so weird what men say in the locker room. It's unbelievable. And I heard this guy saying about this woman's vagina and how smelly it was. And I'm thinking, (sighs) dude, if her vagina smells and there's something wrong, (laughs) vaginas don't smell. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) But that's... The thing is, like, yeah. men really believe this. They're scared of it on yeah. some level, right? We, Absolutely. It's how do we change this idea? And so we need to really about—it's all about education on every level of everything. It's about, you know, people just don't know something. We have to teach them. Absolutely. And that could be with anything. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so this brings me into my next question because you have um, your documentary that's about you called Mr. Angel. And you, mm-hmm. as you just said, identify as a man with a vagina. And um, there's a scene where you find out the walls of your uterus have, like, begun to atrophy due to, like, long-term testosterone use. But you then had to get a hysterectomy. So is this, like, a common side effect? I mean, I just feel like there's so little information that I I know about trans health. And I know that a lot of people listening probably feel the same way. So, like, take me through your thought process of, like, learning this information about your body. Like, how did you feel?
2: So, so, you know, I transitioned over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm an old guy. I'm a trampol, right? So (laughs) there was no information. And in fact, I was a guinea pig. Both of my doctors even said that to me from my testosterone doctor to my surgery that you're going to be an experiment because I've never done this before.
0: And were you terrified when they said that? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. What year was this?
2: (laughs) Did you hear my lady voice come out? I was like, yes.
0: (laughs) So what year was this?
2: Oh my God! That was like twenty. That was twenty-two years ago. Wow! So God, okay. I have to count back, and then ninety-four, ninety-six. Yeah, yeah. In Los Angeles, and there were no doctors. And the doctor, the testosterone doctor I went to, said, "I've never done this with a woman who wants to become a man. I've, mm. I've done it with lots of men who want to become women, but and I'm just like stuck in a place. What do you do?" And so fast forward, there I am, 20 years on testosterone, going to the gynecologist like you're supposed to because Mm -hmm. I still have a vagina. And the gynecologist is saying everything's fine. And I'm telling the gynecologist, I have these weird cramps every time I have an orgasm. I get like period cramps and I don't have my period. What's happening? The gynecologist is like, you're fine. Nothing's wrong. The pap smear is fine. Blah, blah, blah. Move forward. One day I just drop on the ground. Literally, I dropped on the ground with 105-degree temperature, rushed to the hospital, and I basically – what happened was atrophy from long-term use of testosterone, atrophied my whole reproductive system to where my uterus and my cervix fused together. Wow. Now, that's so insane, which made a Petri dish out of my uterus. (laughs) And then it popped, and I became septic. And then I – literally, the doctor said, if you didn't come in five minutes later, you would be dead. So, uh, uh, yeah, and then the doctors were like, we've never seen anything like this before. We're writing it in medical papers and blah, blah, blah. And that was like four or five years ago. We're still not talking about it. I scream it at the top of my lungs every day. Like these young children, these young trans guys are on testosterone. They're 20 years old. Some Mm -hmm. of them are 17, 18 years old. And we're not talking about what happened to me. And then I literally almost died. Yet everyone's just acting like taking testosterone is, okay, it's very dangerous. There's a lot of side effects. There's things that we're not talking about. Why?
0: Yeah. So do you feel like from the time that you transitioned to now, do you feel like there has been progress in terms of trans health, in terms of, you know, educating people and people having the language and the understanding about their own bodies? Or do you still feel like there's a long way to go?
2: Oh, my gosh, No. Zero. <laughs> the wow. doctors know nothing. No, it is, it's it's upsetting to me. As mm-hmm. an old guy who's been a guinea pig, has been here, has been a voice, as you know, I'm very outspoken about everything. It's nowhere near what it should be. Nowhere near, especially gynecological care. Yeah. They have no idea what to do with
0: us. And so let's back up a little bit. You grew up in L.A. I love L.A. so much. And mm-hmm. you have said in interviews that you've always been a tomboy and that your parents were really, you know— Supportive of you and would buy you, you know, traditionally like sort of boy toys or whatever, just to, like kind of like let you do like what you wanted to do. And like, were you also like a tomboy in school and people were kind of just like whatever about it? Or was there? Yes,
2: I was a total little boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think when you're in sixth grade and you're in, you know, elementary school, it's not so bad. I did fight a lot. I was yeah. a, a total actual physical fighter.
0: Oh my and that's gosh. Kinda like what,
2: yeah, I was. Like, I literally would get into fistfights in sixth grade. Because they would call me like, "You look like a boy. You're a boy," you know, and I would beat the crap
0: out yeah. of. them.
2: <laughs> I would beat the crap out of the boys, and then they eventually stopped saying it. But then I became a weirdo, right? Because here's the girl beating up all the boys. Yeah. And that's pretty much where it started. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, it just, I mean, my parents were super cool about it. It mm-hmm. wasn't until puberty happened. And then their friends, actually, my parents' friends said, That is your daughter. That is not your son. You must stop treating your daughter like your son.
0: Wow. And
2: then immediately my parents felt totally freaked out by it. And I could no longer, you know, be that little boy. I had to start dressing like a girl. And I had to, and that just took me into a, a down spiral because I, you know, clearly wasn't being able to be myself, and it is a big deal when you can't be yourself. Yeah, and especially your, you know, your your own self image of who you are when it's taken away from you, and you're forced to wear a dress as mm-hmm. a boy. Yeah, it's horrifying.
0: Yeah, I just can't believe that these people would have the nerve to tell your parents how to parent you. Yes, that's beyond
2: right. I think it's very important to let your child experiment with their gender or, you know, even 13 or 14 year olds experimenting with their sexuality because they are. 14 Mm -hmm. year olds are experimenting with their sexuality. And the fact that we don't even talk about young children and their sexuality is weird. Why are not we talking about sex in school? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a parent, but if I was a parent, I'd be pretty upset about that.
0: Yeah. You just mentioned that, you know, when you were being forced to wear a dress, that it made you feel, like, not particularly great about yourself. But this is what I found super fascinating. After high school, you became a model, like, doing, like, super chic, like, super (laughs) femme sort of photo shoots. One, how were you discovered? And two, Mm. when you were kind of, you know, maybe not feeling... Like that your inside matched your outside. How was it being an industry where your outside is what mattered most and how people most related to you? Drugs. <laughs> Let me just put it out there. <laughs> Let me just put it out there, drugs and
2: alcohol. Yeah. Now I'm 30 years sober from drugs and alcohol. Congratulations. But that said, thank you. But basically, all I saw was, so how I got discovered was literally walking down the street mm-hmm. with my girlfriend. And then the guy came out of nowhere, and he's just like, oh, my God, you're amazing. I need to take photos of you. And I'm like, what? So I took pictures with this guy. He brought them into Elite Modeling Model Management, a big agency. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm somehow getting a phone call from them. And they're like, come in. We really want to. We really think you could be a huge success. And it was at the very beginning of androgyny Mm -hmm. modeling, which was like the late 80s, I think, early 90s. And I was pretty much part of that whole beginning of the androgyny modeling. But, you know, I couldn't – do so I would get really high on coke and drink and it was always there. And the makeup artists had a field day with my face and they would just be like, oh, my God, look at you. And I had the biggest opportunity to become like a huge supermodel, but I couldn't do it because I just – couldn't do it it wasn't me and I would stop showing up for my calls you know mm-hmm. and eventually in that world they just will only deal with you for that long
0: yeah. and I
2: did and I ended up coming back to LA totally homeless and destitute and nothing
0: so you you transitioned at 28 but what were you doing mm-hmm. prior to that like job wise and also like how were you feeling emotionally
2: so it was a nightmare. So mm-hmm. so after I finished with modeling, mm-hmm. <laughs> then I came home and I had nowhere to go. And I ended up, like, just diving deep into drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and lost. And so for many years, I wandered just couch surfing. I just was in and out of jobs, in and out of drugs and alcohol, in and out of girlfriends, in and out of dealing with my sexuality, dealing with people telling them that I'm really a man and not a mm-hmm. woman. And I was in the lesbian community and they were like, you're crazy, you're a dyke and deal with it. And, you know, next thing I know, I... I just started prostituting on the street
0: mm. because it
2: was an easy thing to do. It, I, I just was walking down the street, and some man pulled up, and he said, hey, you want to get in? And I was like, okay. And I got in, and he was like, so what's up? And th- just this whole lingo that I never knew. And then I realized what was happening, and then I just said 20 bucks. <laughs> I just said 20 bucks. Wow. And I jacked him off for 20 bucks. And 20 bucks was how much rock cocaine costs. <laughs> and I was smoking crack and just like... Going crazy, and uh, I wanted to kill myself because nobody understood anything about me, Mm -hmm. and then luckily I got saved by someone who took me to a rehab, and I got sober, and that's how I sort of realized that – I could become a man because I didn't know that before. I just thought Mm -hmm. I was always going to have to be trapped in this. In a way, I was trapped in this woman's body. And, you know, people would always tell you, you're so pretty, you're so beautiful. That's not what you want to hear. When people say I'm handsome, that's like, oh, I love hearing that. It's so soothing to me. It's like I made it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, you got through all of that and then you started working in – porn but behind the scenes like Mm -hmm. making websites and then you eventually got into porn in front of the camera and you appeared in your first adult film in 2005 Um, so what one, made you want to get into the porn industry behind the scenes. And then what inspired you to be like, no, I want to be in front of the scenes? Well,
2: I got into it because I had a wife at the time and me and her, decided she was a professional dominatrix. And mm-hmm. we decided to start shooting films. And it was way before any of the Internet really was happening. And we started making mail order, you know, VHS tapes. Yeah. And then I just got the opportunity to make a transgender woman's website. And then I just, the light bulb popped up in my head. And I was like... There are all these trans women in porn and no trans men, zero. It was, you know, think about porn, right? Think about, you could see pretty much anything you want to see in porn. And there was nobody like me. And I was like, wow, this is an opportunity for me to. And I didn't do it because of what I do it for today, which is more Um, political or more using it as an activist platform. But then I did it because I wanted to make a million dollars and I thought, I'm going to make a million (laughs) dollars in porn and this is a great idea and I'm going to be Buck Angel, the man with the pussy. (laughs) 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 I never thought I'd be sitting here, ever. Like, it was (laughs) not my goal. (laughs) My goal was to be the dude with the cigar sitting back and, like, making a million bucks on porn. Yeah. And no, there's no money in porn. By the way, for anybody listening, there's no money in porn. It doesn't work that way.
0: There isn't? No.
2: It was like that. But, you know, Digital media completely blew us out. Everybody takes your movies now and you know uploads them for free, so
0: right. you don't
2: really make much money on porn anymore. That said, the reason I still am in the game is because I'm unique and there isn't anybody like me, so I really sort of made my market. And then... So as I I started to do Buck Angel the Man with a Pussy, people freaked out on me. The community freaked out on me. Everybody hated me. The mm-hmm. porn industry was calling me a freak. And I was like, are you kidding me? The porn industry. And then I started getting people writing me saying all these secret sexual things to me that they said they've never told anybody. And I thought, wow, I just opened a door Uh, Could be good or bad, but I opened a door here for people to express themselves where they've held the secret thing about themselves in forever, which can be very dangerous, I think.
0: Yeah, and so when you started in porn, like your first scene— were you, like, nervous? Were you excited? Because I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like it's such a high-pressure situation. Like, you have people, you know, you have, like, a sound guy there, I'm presuming, and, like, camera people. And, like, it's not, I, I don't imagine it's, like, a super sexy situation and more like, we got we got a clock in, clock out. And so how, <laughs> do, totally. you, know, you know what I mean? So it's, like, you have to, like, perform in a way that's, like, not about, like, full-on seduction. Yeah. So what were you feeling the first time you had to shoot a scene?
2: so so funny because when I first shot my seed there's no such thing as a cameraman and a lighting guy and yeah. a sound guy I took my <laughs> own camera and I got my uh, girlfriend at the time and we went out into the woods I was living in New Orleans and we went to the woods and the swamps and we just filmed a whole movie out there doing all kinds of crazy stuff and that's how I f- made my first movie and then I just realized I could do whatever I want but I don't know why I wasn't yeah. nervous I felt really empowered mm-hmm. by showing the world my vagina and people were losing their minds I mean I was getting death threats. Oh my
0: god.
2: Right? What I do is I challenge masculinity on a level that men have been taught to realize that their penis is everything. And I'm challenging that. And I'm saying your penis isn't anything, my friend. You you have a like yes. I could be sitting here for 2 hours. I could be sitting here for 2 hours waiting for you to get a hard on. You know what? I'm ready. <laughs> 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 so you tell me whether or not a penis <laughs> So, you know, and no disrespect to the guys out there at all. I love your penises. They're awesome. But that said, it's not everything and you are not your penis by the way you are not your penis so you know then i'm waiting for dudes to get hard ons on sets and that's when i also started to realize my vagina is awesome because (laughs) i can just do the deed and like you know be out of here which is like so (laughs) less maintenance
0: (laughs) you can go to like your yoga class you're like bye totally it's like
2: i'm done thank you very much
0: (laughs) so who was your your main audience would you would you say
2: that's a good question. Um, so I did. There, I was. I built the genre. So there was nothing like what I did, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out who my customer base was going to be. So I made a movie with me and women. So that would be sort of more like, I guess, a lesbian or gay film, and it's, I don't even know what you would call that. And then there's me with men, just men, right? And that's more gay. And then there's me with men and women, which I consider, I think, a little more bisexual. Mm-hmm. The one with me and men just blew out it just gay men came after me like i was some kind of new candy on the market and they were like like they were really sexually engaged with me but at mm-hmm. the same time they were really embarrassed about it and a lot of them felt like by being attracted to me they were straight and that it made Mm. them straight. It's weird, because look at me. And then how could you even think that about me? But again, it speaks volumes to genitals and how we are so focused on genitals. So my market became gay men, and gay men are the reason I'm sitting here today, because they were so incredibly supportive, and so. the transgender community was not at all. And the gay men were so amazing to me and so respectful and just really wanted to see me succeed.
0: So why do you think that the trans community wasn't, a uh, full on accepting of you from the the start is it? Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if maybe they were concerned that like you were going to be fetishized and like they didn't mm-hmm. want to be a part of that. Like, what do you think mm-hmm. was like the initial disconnect? Because I I can't imagine what that's like, but I know that I think anyone who's like a person of color, you're like worried about not being black enough or not being Latina enough or not being lesbian enough within your community. So I didn't. Was that kind of the sort of same situations that you were going through or what you were concerned about?
2: Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. It was that. Mm-hmm. I, I, they still think I fetishize trans men. I am not. Mm. It is not true. I do not fetishize trans men. First off, it's about me. It has nothing to do with the community, but they immediately took me on as a representative. It's like you, you know, being a person of color. Oh, now you represent all black people? No, of course not. Yeah. But people think that. They, they put people who are, have a bigger voice into this sort of space to have to represent. They thought that everyone would think trans men have vaginas. Mm-hmm. They thought it was disrespectful. Um, but I do think a lot of times... Communities get uh, very wrapped up in their own personal stuff and they don't understand the whole picture, if that makes sense. yeah. Like, how are we going to change things as a whole, not individually? Like, how can we all come together and make a change? And each voice counts, not just one voice. And so they're missing the point is my voice is just one part of the picture. It's not the whole picture.
0: Yeah, and I'm also, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of like, for a lot of people, porn is kind of how they start to learn about sex in a way. Yes. And so I could imagine like, you know, some teen like watching your videos and learning something about themselves that they might not have known. So I, I'm i wondering, do you feel like that, um, is, uh, that also went into your work?
2: well first off yes I know that young kids young trans guys watch my work and I'm very proud to be able to show them because I get letters from them every day thank you so much Trampa I feel so connected to my vagina and I feel so happy that I can be this man this way and I don't I get those letters every day so that's all that matters to me that I am creating some form of body positivity within a world where we never had body positivity we were always shamed about our bodies and that we weren't allowed to be sexual our own community does that to us Mm -hmm. so yeah I do think that my films help guys feel very connected to their bodies on some level. Uh, But I think that also there's guys that still think that what I do is disrespectful or because they're not connected to their own bodies. Mm -hmm. It's a very small group of trans people that are disrespectful to me now the community loves me mm-hmm. but that said there there still is that residue i think it's just people's own self-hate and non-self-acceptance
0: yeah i mean you're so visible you do motivational speaking and mm-hmm. you, you speak out so much about trans men like are there any other sort of like stories of whether it's related to sexuality different types of sexuality or just in general that you're really curious about and that you want to like kind of tackle next
2: Well, I think really what I am tackling now is men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what I mean is cisgender, more more I'd say white guys, but it doesn't matter to me, cisgender guys. Mm -hmm. And I really want to start to uh, re-educate them and re-educate them around what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and what it Mm -hmm. means to be a human being because I don't see that. I was socialized as a woman. Most men are socialized as men. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't taught to be this sort of way that men are a lot of times, which is not vulnerable, right? Not being able to cry, not being able to be emotional because that's not masculine, right? Men are taught to have to be very closed off. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people understand that a lot of times. And so on the flip side of that, they're also taught that they don't have to sort of ask to touch or to be sexual or to be uh, to uh, to be aggressive is to be masculine and that's not true and so i think why aren't we talking about that? How do we re-educate men around sexuality and sex and and women and sex and how women's needs are different a lot of times than men's needs? That's how we create change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think because it's still you, and I love the Me Too and the Time's Up movement, but it's still yep. a lot of people just view it as like this is a woman's problem as yep. opposed to it's a societal problem in the way that yep. everything is structured in terms of like how people relate. It really is, I think, to your point that Men are the next sort of group that we have to sort of address in this movement where they also have to change. It can't just be women speaking out about the abuse they're, you know, receiving and of.
2: that's what we need to say. How do we create a better environment for us all?
0: Yeah. So I know we we have to, like, get out of here in a few minutes, but I want to talk to you about one more thing. You know, you go around the country sort of educating people and getting them to kind of wake up and recognize, you know, things they have kind of ignored before. What's the one thing that you have learned over this whole journey that you are most grateful to have kind of woken up to?
2: Oh, gosh, so many things. But I think th- I've been so lucky, my friend.
0: Like I go
2: and speak in front of these huge groups of People that mm-hmm. are just cisgender, like business people, and they listen to me. Mm-hmm. I came from a place of like total destitute, and I'm gonna cry because I just can't believe it. And so, mostly, I think that the opportunities that are given to me now because I'm honest yeah. and being honest and being grateful are um, just really powerful things. And being oh, a vulnerable... you're gonna make
0: me cry. Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it's real, like, honestly, the tears come from a real place of gratitude.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that um, teaching that to people, teaching that you have to be grateful for what you have, no matter if it's not everything, you will get it as long as you're grateful and um, have respect for yourself and your life. Everything will come to you. It's a, it's a real thing.
0: I, I, people need to hear that message today.
2: Don't have fear because fear will block you from becoming who you really want to be.
0: Oh, you know what? I thank you for that. I am so in awe of you that you you really are changing tons of lives. You're an incredible person. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you.
2: It's like I, I just cry. It's so weird now as a man. And I think that's important. For I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And it means a lot to me that you hear my voice and you have me on your show. And hopefully people who don't know who I am will understand my message and be able to create something in their own lives.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Right on. Bye. Thank you. Wow, 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 wow. Joni Mitch, I really love my job.
1: It's a pretty sick job. Kind of a dream job. And uh, you know what, Pheebs?
0: What, Joni?
1: I feel like I kind of have a dream job, too. Being your producer, your on-air sidekick.
0: Oh, I love you! I love
1: you too! And it's also a dream to work Mm -hmm. with you and Alana to bring the resistance to every single episode. I think it's time for it.
0: Resist the system. Resist the man. Resist the dominant discourse imposed upon us by the establishment. So, you know what, Alana, everyone's always like, new year, new me, and it's always the same old bullshit, right? Because it's hard to, like, keep up with that. But I'm actually making a concerted effort to eat less meat. And I can't tell you how life-changing it is. It's incredible. Mm. You know, like, I don't know about you, but, like, my farts are, like, always so scary Mm. when I eat meat. It's just like they're so it's yeah. Like a meat demon. makes them scarier. Yeah. yeah, it is a demon because it's like the screaming animal as it died coming <laughs> out <of> your ass. <laughs> it's like yeah. really bad. Yeah, and like you know when I'm just eating more fruits and veggies, it's like every fart now smells like a like a turtle pond, which is like kind of pleasant. And also, meat is like so president fathead you know he like <laughs> ate like a cheeseburger with chuck schumer when they decided the fate of 800 000 dreamers they're like so sitting over cheeseburgers it's so like baby boomer yeah you know like it is cheeseburgers and shit i'm like i think i'm over it i think yeah i think i'm over it yeah so it's just like you know what give your body a break it needs it needs to break from all the meat so just like show a little tlc have some applesauce instead of you know pork applesauce is not not a substitute for pork. Right. But, but it, it's sort of like just like if you if you if this appeals to you, start with Meatless Mondays and see yeah. where it takes you. Yeah, that, that's better than being like, hey, guys, try, have you heard of applesauce? Have you heard of applesauce <laughs> as a replacement for pork? No. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Keep us posted. Me specifically about your applesauce intake. It, it should increase by a 100 percent, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Many White Guys team includes me, Phoebe Robinson, Rachel Neal, Joanna Saltaro, Jenny Lawton, Jim Point, Paula Schumann, Jeremy Bloom, Matt Boyton, Joe Clord, and Isaac Jones. Can you believe it? It takes a damn village, y'all. Anyway, our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Check out extra spicy, hot, sensual content of me and Buck Angel from her interview on the WNYC Studios Facebook page. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Dope Queen Feeds. Bye, you, bye. So I'm, I'm, I'm calling the shots here.
1: You're
0: the Black Howard Stern. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no one's ever said that. I always go White Robin Quivers, but I never think Black Howard Stern. But that's who you are. <laughs> it's true.